Hi, my name is Jameson. Welcome to the Unexpected Experts Podcast, a show where we dive into the vast spectrum of human knowledge and the ways that our experiences make us experts in unexpected ways. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Unexpected Experts. Uh, this is the first episode back now since our summer break, since our summer series. So uh, very excited for that. Um, this week, Andrea and I have on our friend Aza. Aza is piping into us right now from Toronto. Uh, Did you say piping in? Piping in. Oh, yeah. yeah piping in. Piping in. That's a thing. That's a <laughs> phrase. Okay. <laughs> Um, Aza is born and raised Canadian and, uh, singer and pianist and incredible person and, um, almost William Sonoma 10 year anniversary employee. (laughs) Um, Aza is a very dear and close friend and we love her very much and we're beyond thrilled that she's agreed to join us. Uh, for a conversation tonight. So welcome, Aza. Welcome to Unexpected Experts. Hey, it's so good to be able to speak with you. I'm super excited about this. I'm just like so really to happy to see your face. In. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. I mean, like, it's just like, it's good to see some familiar mugs in the place. Like, oh my gosh, so much love for you guys. So much love. Oh, sorry, what was, what was what was that, Andrea? What was that you said in there? I, I think what? I think we may have spoken over you. That... Oh, I just said, I don't know. What did I say? Something about piping in. I think there I was just is. using your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your I just wanted to make sure that people that that okay. the people heard that. <laughs> Let them know. Yes. Let them know we're we're a sassy bunch. We're all very comfortable with each other. Mm-hmm. There's much very love. Much that. There's much love here. Ace and I lived together for yes, a we hot were roommates. Minute. Yes, for like it seemed like two seconds. Like honestly, did you like, really? Yeah. yeah. When was this? Was this when is... I moved in with Carrie Lynn for the third time or however many times I lived with that girl. Yep. And Aza yep. was living with, it was at the Martelup house. Oh, yeah. sure. Yep. Aza was there and yes. I came and joined. And then... Yes. And she brought her lovable dog, yeah. who I still love very, very much, Miss mm-hmm. Luna. Like Although, like, favorite. the amount of times, Andrea, that you've moved, I'm not surprised it's that you've ridiculous. lived with a lot of other people that we know. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I, yeah, I should record how many. I feel like I've lived with a lot of duplicates, like not duplicates, but like a lot of, excuse me, the same people more than once. Like I lived with Carrie at least twice. Okay. And both times, Aza and I were like passing, or what are we, we were like ships passing in the night. Very much that. Because I moved out of the Thorncliffe place and Aza moved in. Yes. And then, and then I moved, moved out of... To, or did you move out and then move back in with Carrie? Like we moved out of the Thorncliffe place and then moved into Martelope together. Okay. And then I moved out of Martelope. I moved in moved and in then first. you moved out. Correct. Yeah. Crazy. It was like, like maybe a month or two that we all lived together. It was literally, I think it was from, did you come in May? I came at the... Or was it June? No, I thought no, I came it was in July. April. I thought I April. came in April. 
I think you're right. Yeah, you, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And then I moved out because I got married. Married. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's I fun, though. Nice little yeah. overlap of living. That's yeah, it took cool. us like it took us like three weeks to sit down and have like a meal together as like a little a little. Oh wow! I think I still have pictures had... from that meal. Yeah, I remember. I have like a memory that pops up, and it's it's your post that you tagged us in, and and you really oversold my spaghetti. <laughs> I sure did. It was fantastic, though. I must say, it was like a like full some, meal. Yeah. Well, yeah, we had spaghetti and Caesar salad. And Aza was like, this is the best meal ever. And I was like, girl, you make a killer mac and cheese. Don't. Oh, man. Don't come at me with this killer spaghetti that's just noodles boiled and sauce from a jar. <laughs> You're discrediting your art. I mean, like, to be okay. honest, I was like, it was <laughs> it was like fully like a legit meal. Like I just throw some macaroni in a pot and then maybe add three cheeses to it and then. Can't really call that a meal. That's a side dish. That's not a Absolutely full meal. Absolutely not. Like, Absolutely not. About? Take I just it like back. Throw, I just throw macaroni in a pot and add three cheeses to it. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> else do that. Nobody else does three that. Three cheeses versus my jar of sauce. Like three cheeses versus a and KD Aza, cheese Aza, powder you're package. you're discrediting yourself. You like, I have it written, your recipe written down and it's like, First step, make a roux. And I remember Aza telling me the recipe for her mac and cheese. And I was like, what the actual heck is a roux? <laughs> like, make a roux. Was I was like, like, I'm already out. I'm already done. <laughs> and here she is. Um, I just make mac and cheese. I just throw things together. It's like okay. throw a, a Colonel's blend of 27 cheeses and spices in a pot with some, like, handmade noodles. Like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> and like anyways. some Gordon Ramsay-ish. But, oh my goodness. Oh man. Funny. So funny. Well, Aza, this is something we ask everybody on the podcast as a first question. Um, what is your superhero or supervillain origin story? So basically oh. just a background of who you are, where you come from, what makes you the way you are, and all of that. Every time that I think about this question, I'm like... You want to know what my superpower is? Let me tell you. Oh, that's legit. You're like, I want to know where you were born, what your life story was, where'd you go to high school? And I'm like, okay. But also like, I guess if, if you were to have a superpower, like at at the end of this question, if you were to have a superpower, what would it be? So like, think about that. Or supervillain power, you know, or super. Yeah. They got some powers too. Ooh. That's pretty intense. I'm right. I, oh my goodness. I need some time to think about that, but like. Start with your origin story though. Okay. Like, so my origin us, story. What's your background? Okay. So um, I am a first generation Canadian. My parents are born uh, on the sunny island of Barbados. So it's a great destination place. I'm just letting you know that if you're ever looking for places. Go. It's, I'd love it's to go beautiful. sometime. Yes. Well. We can figure that out. We'll, we'll make some. We'll talk about that. <laughs> talk we can, about that. We can talk about that off air. Yeah. While, yeah. while I while I quickly get a sub a sunscreen subscription on the go <laughs> <laughs> for my Fair pasty enough. white skin. Oh the struggle my goodness. Is real. That's too funny. Um. Yeah. So um, I was born in Toronto. Um. Uh. Like a, a long ways ago. <laughs> 
Um, don't worry, um, you don't need to disclose how old you are on this podcast. We that's okay. Ask. That's not a problem. It's all good. Uh, it's all good. Um, but um, yeah, I grew up in Toronto area um, in the east side of Toronto called Scarborough. Um, so uh, pretty much uh, like had a very uh, diverse uh, group of people there. So like it seemed to be like it seems to be a place like where uh, it was like kind of like a hub for people who are like first uh, generation Canadians or just like immigrants in general would would go to. Um, it's just like a, a wonderful melting pot, I would say. Cool. Um, uh, like, so I basically uh, grew up with like everybody around. So whether they were like um, Chinese, uh, Korean, Japanese, uh, from other mm-hmm. islands, uh, like Trinidad, Jamaica, um, even places like Sri Lanka, like it was literally like a melting pot. So like I had a, a, like a lot of people around. So I, I feel Do you like, mean, I like was in your neighborhood, in my neighborhood, like, okay, so, cool. oh. so like literally like, um, I would like to say like my parents were like the OGs on my street because, <laughs> cause our, our house was built like in, in the late seventies and my parents moved in like, um, just when that development was um, had okay. just been finished, and and so there were a few people from the Caribbean who had settled there, but then um, there were a, a number of different people. There's like some uh, originals from like people who were settling in from had just uh, come in from Hong Kong. Um, like I, so, wow. like it would just like literally be like pockets of of uh, of culture so like be like caribbean then chinese and then and then indian and then uh like oh, wherever they were so like cool. england so it was like it was it's it's really cool because i was just like i literally grew up with everybody so yeah. is it like that area of toronto that just like a lot of people from other places move to and it's it is sort of that melting pot yeah, I think it was just at that time, it was just like during the 80s that people are just, just trying to get their, their feet wet and trying to right. um, uh, basically plant some roots. So, get settled, yeah. Yeah, get settled. So it just happened to be the place um, in northern Scarborough where people um, came to. And yeah. it's it kind of cool. Yeah, That's awesome. And, and even now, um, I'm still in the community, still, still in my um my parents home right now and they uh the it looks very very different but yet still very much the same there's mm. a lot of families that have um come in from like uh, middle eastern areas and such but even cool. still even though the demographic has slightly changed it's still very diverse mm. so, like, it, cool. like it still feels like scarborough yeah 100 percent. it just yeah. it just feels like there's there's many more faces added mm-hmm. to the mosaic so to speak that's cool i like that's that beautiful yeah and uh mm-hmm. i'm just like what else is there to add um <laughs> so i'm a singer yeah you as are. you mentioned before um i i grew up in a i would say a, a predominantly uh so like where i grew up and i grew up going to church it's kind of cool because my um everybody that um when my parents moved to Canada in the late sixties, um, they kind of went to this kind of Methodist church that, um, had also a number of people who had come from the Caribbean 
and mm-hmm. started going to this particular church. And even to this day, um, my the church Oakwood that I used to go to is pretty much known as probably one of the pioneer churches that people went to when they came to Toronto. Wow. And then there was one other church that uh, was in the area that people started going to. But like, there were so many people that came out hmm. of, of my one church. And it was... Um, predominantly African-American, but Mm -hmm. we did have uh, um, other cultures to come through. And it's was a, it's where pretty much I learned how to sing, where I Mm. uh, got my love for, um, for gospel music and music in general. Like it was just uh, a a place for me to develop my talents. And Mm -hmm. it was, definitely a talented group of people that I learned mm, from because it seemed like everybody and their mom knew how to sing or or play an instrument or or do something within the arts so hmm. it was really that's really cool really that's cool. did you take I, lessons as a kid or I did, did you just come by this amazing talent naturally well <laughs> I feel like the good lord did give me some good stuff I mean yeah. like he did help me out a little bit but my mom noticed a from little, a young age yeah. that I, that I needed to cultivate that, and she right. threw me into just about everything that she could to um, help me develop my my gifts. So wow. I um, started off with piano lessons. That was okay. the first classic. thing. So I started piano when I was four. Classic, and classic. Get that music classic. theory down, you know. Yep, had to make <laughs> sure she put me in all the classes: music theory, uh, music history. And I was like, kill me, but (laughs) Oh, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. That was the worst. (laughs) But uh it was just like she felt that I needed a a solid foundation in order to be able to to be able to know my craft. So she put me in it and and like I would say like honestly, like she also didn't she actually surprisingly didn't put me in singing lessons. That kind of came later on. So like I had people within my church that helped me to develop my gifts. So people who just came alongside and had been singing their whole life be like, Hey, you need some training and learning how to breathe. You need some training and learning how to, and then um, for probably from age 12 up until age 19, I was competing um, competitively singing with um, um, just with doing solos, um, and singing all across pretty much singing in the U S and singing in Canada. I was doing competitions and then I was, I was in a girl's group (laughs) um, where we did uh, acapella and Mm. did things like really training our ears to be able to hear Mm. each other, um, learn harmonies. And that's pretty Mm -hmm. much where I got my foundation for, being a, a, a strong and alto as I am. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we did a lot of singing together and um, we were singing up until pretty much uh, went off to college and then the rest cool. is, yeah. So is that like a community thing then? Uh, the singing? How d- yeah. How did you get involved with the, like, comp- like competing? So um, my denomination had a, um, uh, a, a talent uh, organization that they had started called Teens and oh, Talent. Cool. Oh, and cool. so they had um, basically uh, teens um, from all across um, 
I would say the eastern seaboard of Canada and the United States okay. um, for my denomination would come and meet together. And um, there were different categories that they would have. They would have, for instance, like um, junior soloists. So that would be mm-hmm. like between, um, you know, like junior high age. And then yeah. senior vocalists would be obviously high school. Mm-hmm. And then we would compete against each other for like, generally they would have two representatives from each um, district within the Northeast area. Mm -hmm. And we would compete against each other for who um, basically showcased themselves the best. And at the end, you would not only win uh, a trophy for your efforts if you were in the top three, but it also was a platform for them to be able to give you uh, scholarships to oh, any no of the, the the colleges so that's how I um, was able to continue my education because I competed for so many years and uh, when I decided that I wanted to pursue something with music mm-hmm. um, particularly in ministry um, I was fortunate enough to have enough scholarship that wow. I was able to to pay for um, my way through college so that's legit like you you like actually sang your way through school then pretty much in a way that's so (laughs) cool that's awesome dang i love that like what a cool opportunity especially with the the network of churches that were in your denomination to Mm -hmm. all participate in something like that oh yeah for funds to be available for people like that's really cool kind of a unique thing like i don't know if i've heard of that anywhere else no, same. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't heard of it anywhere else, so I thought it was a pretty unique and awesome experience. And uh, I was really fortunate to be able to have that um, happen, and I'm glad that others were able to do the same. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of like one of the foundations of, of my life that I never forgot, and um, it's, it's helped me become who I am today. Hmm. That's beautiful. That's legit. Mm-hmm. Wow. So then that took you to college out yes. east. That's correct. Um so at Kingswood University where I went to. Right. And yeah. um I uh studied um primarily music ministry there. And yeah. I also was on the ordination track. So I was studying to be a, a pastor as well. Get a girl. Yes. Heck yeah. <clears throat> Love it. And you did. I did. And yeah, you did. I fully did. And you did are. It. I am. I am a. I'm, I am an ordained minister. Yes, Love as it. of 2013. Yeah, so it's really funny because I'm like, the joke is, it's just like, that's really not what I had originally envisioned for myself, which was sure. But um, as uh, as time and I think it was pretty much destiny because, uh. Like, it just seemed like there were little nuggets in my life that were just like, yeah, it's pointing toward this. But, you know, when you're just yeah. like, I'm willing to try anything else just to make sure that, yeah. <laughs> that like to, I'm in the right spot. To confirm and, like, bring it back. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And and it was, I was just like, yeah, this is what you were designed to do. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's and cool. Now, what, did, what, did a, what did a few of those little marks along the way look like for you? Like, what was something maybe initially that you thought, okay, I, I feel like I can maybe be a pastor. And then like, what were some of those markers along the way that led you to that and like to where you are now, like being ordained? It's, it's really funny because like my mom, I think it was pretty much the one who 
had pretty much started everything off because my mom, not only did she like what had a, like a, an eye for knowing um, what I was good at, but she pretty much was like, you're going to try everything and then we're going <laughs> nice. to see how, how it works out. But particularly she was very, um, she could tell that I was, I knew how to t- connect with people really young and I was able to like make friends with anybody. I was able to like, I could talk to people older than me, younger than me, and I could draw people to me. It was just kind of, so she's just like, okay. Um, but I think the one thing that made me realize that maybe I should become a minister or or somebody who's like, you know, choir director. When I was about 12 years old, um, my, my church had a campground that we would go to um, every summer. And one year they asked me to speak to the children in children's church. Oh, cool. And I was just like, I was like, but why me? I was just like, I don't understand. Like, and they said, we think that you have like a, a, a knack for being able to, um, to talk to people and to share things. And you're, um, you seem to have the right spirit for it. So we're gonna, I think that you should try it out. So they are just like, you know, we pick a topic and um, see if you can talk about it. So I that's cool much, that they like gave you yeah. that freedom. Yeah. But then also that opportunity. That's, they gave me the opportunity. And that's pretty cool. Like I feel like yeah. that opportunity wouldn't come around to a lot of people a lot of the time. So no. that's cool that like no. you're, that they saw that in you, that this is something that we want to at least give her an opportunity and potentially a platform and then see where it goes. For sure. And it wasn't just at church, but it was also in school. And I just went to the, a regular, regular public school, nothing to ostentatious or anything. Right. And yeah. Yeah. There, my teachers would be like, you know, I, we see something really special in your daughter and we know that she can really connect with people. So like one of my first, I got to speak at like one of our um, school assemblies. Oh, cool. And um, was able to, uh, uh, be kind of like an MC for our Christmas program. Oh, no and, kidding. That's cool. Yeah, so um, my, I remember my fifth grade teacher and it was like super daunting to me because I was just like, it's, it's funny that I was like, at that moment, I didn't think that I was really good at public speaking, right. but yet at the same time, my teachers was just like, no, you got this, like you truly do. So um, she kind of mentored me and helped me uh, uh, practice things and, uh to you know practice in front of my classroom first and then um got me to perform um and speak as an MC uh, at an assembly that we had and then eventually um at the christmas moment and it was it was it wor- worked out so well it was just kind of interesting how all of that worked out and then I, that just kept getting opportunities as time went on and then right um the one quintessential time that i remember um, being approached was probably when I was in, um, my last year of high school. And again, at camp, I don't know, what is it with me in camp meetings? Like, just seems like (laughs) everybody just seems to, to, to catch me at camp meetings. But, um, uh, there were some recruiters that came from, from, um, the Kingswood University and they, they saw me not only sing, but I had, um, again, another opportunity to, 
be able to kind of um, share my life story and such with them. And um, they said, you know what? We really feel that you should be in ministry. And I was like, really? Why? (laughs) Because at the time I was just like, I know I've had all these opportunities, but I just don't feel like I'm cut out for it. They're like, I don't think that you really see yourself for who you are. Like, so um, I, I prayed about it and I, and I felt that, um, that if it was the right direction for me to go, then everything would fall into place that God would pretty much order my steps and I'd be able to follow through and everything just pretty much came through. As I said, all my money from, from schooling showed up, it was ready to be available to me. And I, I had it all ready and set to go for any one of the, um, uh, colleges within my denomination. So I was just like, well, there's easy money right there. So might yeah. as well just use it. <laughs> and yeah. then, um, and then on top of that, I got to speak with, um, uh, a person who, uh, basically was trying to see like, if I, if I was really cut out for the school, they kind of like they're administrators. And then they said, you know, I really feel that you're, that you're meant to be the here. And then I, I, it just so happened that everything worked its way out that I could go to that college. And that's cool. crazy. And so, yeah, so it cool. ended up working out well. And now here you are. And now here, here you I am. are. Yeah, a pastor. Yeah, I am a pastor. And yeah, I'm now currently um, an assistant pastor at a church um, doing music ministry. Um, cool. And so I teach everybody from little kids to, uh, I would say like, you know, the people who are uh, living the best years of their life right now. So, um, so they, uh, it doesn't matter what age you are. Um, I'm, I'm called to, um, to leading, uh, people and, um, helping them discover themselves musically. So, yeah. Well, and music is for everybody, you know, yeah. there's like, there's, there's no age limit to music. Like kids are listening to music when they're babies, in the womb, you know, yeah, in the it's womb, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, all the way up. I've Fully. never tried putting earbuds up to my belly, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's an experiment that needs to happen real soon. When you have the opportunity, you just got to do like a nice with. pair of, of headphones and like stick them both on your belly. <laughs> uh... I used to have friends that would do like my my best friend used to do that all the time with her kids and to see how they would respond like all three of her kids are just like very they they're very musical at least the two Mm. that are that are able to um to sing they they love doing it like my 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 um my godson and my little goddaughter it's so funny listening to them sing we don't talk about bruno and they're just like (laughs) nice (laughs) just singing singing it at the top of their lungs and that's great it's We're not there awesome. yet, but we we definitely have a couple words in like "You are my sunshine." Parker's like sunshine. Aw, make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. We're getting there, but one day at a time, make cool. it happen. Well, I feel like yeah. Once you if you expose them, the sooner you expose them to music, the more likely. Like I'm sure there's a study that proves that the more likely they are to actually engage and enjoy music. Like now Parker loves to play piano. Is it good? No, (laughs) but she loves sitting up on the bench and plunking out on the keys 
And That's so cute. If Matt gets his guitar out, or sometimes she'll even go over to his guitar that's on the stand, and she'll strum it a couple times. Oh, that's sweet. We have the ukulele, so sometimes she'll bring it over to me, but I'm useless with the ukulele, so then she says, Dada, and <laughs> takes it over to Matt. That's <laughs> that makes funny. Sense. That makes sense. I heard of, like, some baby that was raised where or they, they were in the womb, and their dad would, like, play Slipknot all the time. Oh, and the brother. only way that the baby would fall asleep was no. if they would like turn yes. on Slipknot. Yes. And no. I'm like, I'm I'm like for it. And like, okay, Aza and I are metal heads. Like 100%. we went and saw we saw what was it? We saw architects together. We saw architects, we, we saw, went and saw Tesseract. And Tesseract and uh um, and Northlane. North we went to that Northlane show together. Yep. Man. So like I, I knew Aza would appreciate that one. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, like yeah. as if like playing Slipknot and then the kid falls asleep because that's what they were used to growing up with, like in the womb. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we were trying to decide when I was still pregnant with Parker, we were trying to decide like what our song would be for her. Aw. And I'm a huge Disney fan for those of you who don't somehow know already. <laughs> yes. um, for any so, regular listener of this podcast, yeah. if you don't know and this by so, now. Yeah, then you should rewind and start over. Um, when she was born, the song that we ended up being, like we ended up choosing as like her song was, um, oh my gosh, my brain. Um Oh my goodness, what is the name of the song? It's from Tarzan. It's the one that, like, Tarzan's, like, the mom gorilla sings to Tarzan. Oh. Come stop your crying, it'll be all right. Just take Aww. my hand, hold it tight. You know. That's so cute. That's so sweet. I, I haven't, what, I haven't I seen Tarzan movie, forever. It's been a long time. Are you saying I that, Aza? Oh, I was just gonna say, are you saying that as in you've never seen Tarzan before? Lisa, do yourself do yourself a favor as a musician and listen to Phil Collins tear it up on Tarzan. You know what? I just need to make proper use of my Disney Plus account and like absolutely. Heck yeah. Yeah, what are you watching if you're not catching up on the like classics from It's true. It's true. Sometimes adulting (laughs) is hard though. That's true. Phil Collins just got like handed this assignment of doing Tarzan, and he was like, "Okay," oh, and just so slayed <laughs> it. it. Absolutely yeah. killed Collins. it. But because right. he, he, no, sorry, it's Glenn Close that starts the song. Like so, because Glenn Close plays the mother gorilla. Right. I can't Aww. think of her name in it, but and then it flips over to be Phil Collins singing it because he obviously wrote it. So nice. it's a beautiful song. You'll be sure in my heart. It it's called You'll Be in My Heart. Aww. It came to oh, me. Oh, that is a good song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, it's going to anyway. happen. It's going to happen real soon. You got to do it. You got to yeah, do check, it. Check back in and let us know. 10 out of 10. Also, anyone listening that hasn't seen Tarzan, like, go do yourself a favor. The movie's yeah. beautiful. Also, check visually, it's really door. beautiful. I feel like we're just doing like a little upload download moment in the middle no, of this no. conversation and I'm okay. here for it. It's 
one thing that I know you and I have talked a lot about is like this role of, and I'm sure Andrew, you probably have some very um, strong opinions on this too. Is like that role of women in the church and the role of mm. women in ministry and in church leadership. And yeah. like, I, I, I grew up in a church. Like, where was, is this going to go? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I grew up in a what church. What do I have was, a lot to say about? <laughs> Like I grew up in a church that was really, really conservative and they would mm. only allow men to be in leadership. Like the only thing that women could do is like cook and be in the nursery and be on auxiliary committee, whatever that is. So it, like there was no female leadership in the church and in mm. that denomination. And mm -hmm. I just think that's ridiculous. Like we live in the 21st century and to completely exclude half of the global population from speaking and being leaders mm -hmm. and being allowed to teach and instruct like you're you're losing in my opinion like the perspective of the strongest gender you're losing all of that experience in favor of men just wanted to keep power um and i know like you and i were talking about this even yesterday for quite yeah. a while and um so I guess all in of that to say, podcast? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So like yesterday I was hoping to record with Aza and then we couldn't figure it out techno technically. And then we just ended up talking for almost three hours and it was yeah. delightful. No way to record. No way to record. We were just like, very... ah, it's, it's been a hot minute since we've talked. So we just like hung out for <laughs> almost three hours. It was great. Um, in retrospect, but... I should have just gotten like my, my cell phone and just press record. And maybe that would have just worked out just as well. <laughs> it was a voice memo, like a three-hour yeah. voice memo. So um, but I think, like, maybe in light of what we talked about yesterday, and then in all of that, like, what what do you think is the thing that you would want people to know about, like being a pastor or um, being a female pastor, and like what the challenges are for you, and what what that's looked like in your journey? Anything, anything towards that? I'm 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 just gonna go for broke here, and I'm just gonna be, you know, fully honest. Um, especially when it comes to women in ministry, uh, I know that it's been a point of contention for for many years, and a number of people are either very for it or mm -hmm. feel very strongly against it. And mm -hmm. um, I know that I, in my own in my own faith, in my own personal walk with it, it's been you know, challenging to navigate through that and even finding my place as where mm -hmm. I felt that I belonged in, in that. And um, as, as time has gone on, I've, I've never been more assured of, of um, what I believe that uh, um, God, where God has led me in my personal life and led me to a place where I, I, I'm assured of the fact that I'm, I'm called to, um, support both men and women. And I don't understand mm. why that has to be exclusively men teaching because we allow women to teach in so many other areas of yeah. our society and um, allow them to be, um, allow us to be uh, giving us platforms to be able to speak um, clearly into things that maybe uh, men are maybe not as clear as on as women may be. And I feel that there needs to be a definite partnership because I believe that God uses both male mm -hmm. and female to accomplish his purpose. And sure, I know that there may be certain scriptures that have been, um, uh, people have questioned for many years 
um, and saying that, you know, it clearly says that women should not be apart, but that has never been my experience. And, and, and I believe that God has never shut me out of mm. um, being able to, to be used in this area. I mean, my, my testimony is this, I never wanted to be a pastor <laughs> originally. Mm. Yeah. I never wanted to be, it, I was doing everything um, to run away from it because I just, mm-hmm. I was always concerned about one of those things like, um, am I really called to this? Is it, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, because it was, it's been so dominated by, by, by men for so many years and not just, uh, as a patriarchal thing, but you, you don't see a lot of women pastors in general no. because it's not an easy path to take. It, it's yeah. very challenging and there's a lot of, um, work involved and it requires a lot of sacrifices, but I am very much aware that that God calls people into this and has used both men and women in biblical settings for people to be able yeah, to um, to to be able to to accomplish as well. So yeah. I feel that to stop people from stepping into um, their divine purpose as is is doing a disservice not just the people but i think to what god wants to accomplish through people what do you say though so like cuz you mentioned you know there's people who believe that the scriptures say that women should not like what do you what is your response to that like cuz i'm kind of in similar conversations, not necessarily about the same topic, but even just generally about people using scripture um, as a way or a means to shut down any either conversation or any other like controversy that's going on in the world. What do you say to those people? Because here you are, you're, you are a living and breathing example of what mm these people think is against what scripture says. Mm, mm-hmm. How do you, um, how do you, how do I reconcile that, that in, in my own life? And how do I navigate how do you tell that? them to take a flying leap and you know, <laughs> well, open your eyes to, you know, other possibilities or whatever. Well, one thing's for certain that, as I said, I've, I've said this many times that, um, that I don't, try to force people into seeing things that they're not willing to see. Right. Um, but what I can do is gently lead them to the fact that even though in um, particular areas of the Bible, like where Paul talks about a woman being silent and not speaking, yeah. um, I know that people have used that scripture to say that this is clear evidence that women shouldn't be speaking from the pulpit. Yeah, and sure. um, I also, I was just like, Okay, so let's talk about context, right? Yeah. So um, just knowing the time that they were living in, um, how those women were speaking, and it's not because that he was saying that they were just speaking, they were just speaking out of order. There's like, yeah. there was there were times that it wasn't the time or place to speak. Sure, yeah. And they were speaking in a way that was disruptive in that particular moment, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so... Um, that's why it, it, it appears that 
that he was trying to set a precedent for how order can be within the church. But then if you look just even throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, how the first person that Jesus told to go and spread the good news to was, was a woman. It was a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And telling to go now, he didn't say, well, y- you can't do it from this platform here, or you can't, <laughs> you can't do it from this precipice here. Yeah. You just have to go and, you know, like, it was just like, it was go and tell, right. That's, yeah. that's what he, and then also if you look at situations with, with Esther and with Ruth and mm-hmm. how those women were used, Rahab, a woman who was a woman of ill repute, she was, she was a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And still used her to accomplish his mm-hmm. will. So I was just like, y- you can't say that women are only good for just cooking, cleaning, and taking yeah. care of children because clearly they've been used to do and 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 accomplish mm-hmm. great things for a greater purpose. So yeah. um yeah. and and ultimately what even if that doesn't make them happy if that response doesn't satisfy. I said, my personal experience was I ran from it. I tried Mm -hmm. to get away from it, but yet here I am doing the same thing that God has called me to do. So what do you say about that? Mm. He's either, he's either, I I, I imagined it in my head or I, or, or it's, or I'm like, I'm just kind of following my own thing. And I feel like at that point it becomes almost just like pure ignorance on the other person's part. Yeah. And if and if they're yeah, going to sit seriously. there and tell you that, you know, that's not that can't be your experience because God wouldn't empower a female or whatever, then then it's just yeah. really ignorance on their part. And and then at the same time, I just kind of try to impart grace, too, because, yeah, um, if they're if they're not if they don't know, they don't know. And if they're not yeah. willing to know, I just kind of like say totally. okay it is what it is right i i don't allow that to affect me sure because um i know who's called me and where i've been called yeah. to and you have nothing my, to prove to them i have nothing to prove to anybody yeah. and it's not even of my own merit that i'm trying to do this yeah. right i'm yeah. uh, my my sole purpose is um to be selfless in in and giving over things that I wanted to do for the sole purpose of what I believe is, is, is being a servant to, to mm-hmm. God. And, and that's mm-hmm. all. And you, and being a servant doesn't really have parameters as God will use servants who are willing. And sometimes God calls women and God, God, God calls men. You mm-hmm. just, and if you don't accept it, then that's not, that's on you. That, that's on you. <laughs> Yeah, but that yeah. that's that shouldn't ever affect the way that you do your ministry and interact no. with your congregants, right? Like you're on right. your own path, and if someone doesn't like your path, they don't have to walk that path. Yeah, you I know, mean, if they're offended you can say by like, it. "There's there's a lot of good things on this path, and if you want to join me on it, then you're welcome to. But if you don't mm-hmm. want to walk this same path, then you know, you do you. Like, that's yeah, it. I, I just it's just about humbling myself and. And um and yielding myself to where I know and and I'm so grateful that I am part of a denomination that does support women in ministry mm-hmm. and has been doing so yeah. um for many years um because um they believe that God calls both men and women to His purpose and so um I'm very fortunate in that and mm-hmm. uh, um obviously not everything's perfect where like you know not yeah. everything's been sorted out but 
nevertheless, I think that um, that my denomination has been very intentional about mm-hmm. making a point that knowing that God does use both men and women. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I like that. That's cool. Yeah. What about like how you're like what what does being a pastor look like within your congregation and within your people and the people that you are a shepherd over like what does that look like for you uh well i am part of a a a a congregation that is probably about it's relatively small it's about 150 people but um we have um basically made it our goal to uh, reach out into our community and to find out what the needs are. Um, mm. Basically seeing um, our what our demographics are and how to be um, uh, basically actively um, assisting those people in, this, mm-hmm. in, in, in mm. our area and, and, and being um, called to showing them light and, and, and the truth um, uh, through through scripture and, and trying to be, uh, as, as I like to say, uh, think, act and be like Jesus pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. cause I feel like those are, um, very important that we are actively, um, doing and not just talking about it. And mm-hmm. so, um, our, my church is, uh, has a, a motto where we, um, want to be pretty much like a Christ centered, uh, Christ centered church, but, um, where we believe that that Christ is the head of the church, and we are following um, the teachings and direction that he that is that is taught to us in Scripture, but also that we are reaching outward and being um, intentional about helping people. Um, I mm. know right now um, my church is um, helping out people who have been um, struggling with being refugees right now. Mm. And, oh, and wow. trying yeah. to find placement in um, uh, trying trying to find their place in a, in, in a country where it's not their native country and mm-hmm. exiled and and now having to live in a country that's number one very cold from what it's they're accustomed yeah, to yeah sure <laughs> and, and then yeah. to um, um, basically needing to be self sufficient and being on their own and how so like i know that a lot of that a lot of people have kind of like uh uncertainties where it comes to to that mm-hmm. and sometimes you hear murmurings about you know uh we should be helping more people within our communities and stuff like that but why wouldn't you help somebody mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of 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 what you're accustomed to and so mm-hmm. um uh my we just had like an amazing conversation with our, our team, how um, my church is going to be involved and um, basically helping the family celebrate fam- those families celebrate Thanksgiving here, but oh, not cool. just the food part, but yeah. giving to them where their physical needs are providing yeah. um, uh, clothing for them, providing supplies yeah. for them and stuff like that. Because I feel like we just really need to, be that mm-hmm. for our communities and 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 being active and helping people out so 
Um, I know that we do that regularly. Yeah. I feel like there's something to be said about reaching beyond just like, you know, like I think that the, the short-term help is the Thanksgiving meal, but the long-term help is finding them the community so that they do feel like they belong. And so, yeah, that's beautiful. That's really cool. I like that idea that, that you want to emulate like the actions of Jesus Mm-hmm. And that in doing so, that looks like aiding refugee families or being in your community and helping people that way, like a very practical need or meeting practical needs, because that's exactly what Jesus did. Like he mm-hmm. healed the sick mm-hmm. and he, mm-hmm. you know, fed the 5,000 and like he was meeting people's needs. He was meeting spiritual needs too. But first and foremost, like his ministry was focused towards people. And their and their needs, um, so I think that's that's a beautiful way that your that your church has has done that and still is continuing to do that. I love that. It's very tangible. Yeah, yeah very yeah. tangible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like it's not just about what you know and what you think and what you believe. It's about what are you what are you doing with what you think and what mm-hmm. you believe. Like how how do your beliefs affect the actions you have in this world in the people within yeah. your sphere? I think that's like my biggest question back to like women in leadership. Like, why does it matter? Yeah. Who gives you the wisdom and the, you know, the stories and the teachings of Jesus? Like, why does that matter? Who actually tells you what those things are? If, if God and if Jesus wants that stuff to be given to his people, then just like be willing to hear it. Like, yeah. Absolutely. I think think, um, that people who are on, I say, the the other side of the coin who feel that that there is a threat with women, um, I guess, stepping out of turn and Mm. um, being um, more harmful, um, usurping their authority over men i've heard that terminology so many times i yeah. i don't really, even hey. know what to do with it and yeah. um i i i'm 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 definitely not a woman who likes usurping any authority over anybody <laughs> um that's just that's definitely not my style um i but but even so like i think that there's that there's balance worth with with everything and i know that just because you're a man doesn't mean that 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 you're going to be the best person to lead um in in a certain aspect like why like for instance like you know we talk about how women shouldn't be leading over men and then you know there are instances where there's there's times when you feel that the best person to be leading over um you know women is women yes but there are times that 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 males need women influence in their life too mm-hmm. right where mm-hmm. they need to know how to have um a person who knows how to teach how to how to um how to treat women how to uh teach women and men in mm-hmm. turn also learning how to teach women how to um not just be subservient to men but also know how to how to, to how to to lift them up and to encourage mm-hmm. them. And I, I feel like there needs to be 
more partnership rather than being polarizing mm. and um, yeah. and and causing disruption because all that does is cause contention when we yeah. start saying, well, you don't have a place. This is only for men. I think that, yes, there is a time and a place for everything. There are times when I feel that that maybe um, and dare I, and I use this term very lightly, traditional roles may work. And there sure. are times that, that, that sometimes things get turned on its head for a purpose and they're used yeah. wonderfully. So I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think that both no. can work hand in hand and, well, and I feel like, too, if you're in a relationship with someone, just speaking of, like, the quote-unquote traditional roles, like, when you're in a relationship with someone, if both parties are into that, then great. That obviously works for the two of you. But mm-hmm. if you have two people who, you know, either don't think that traditional roles are the way that they want to live their life, or one person does and one person doesn't, like, that is going to create that that sense of con- um or that point of contention between those two people. And then that's just, it's just like yeah. another thing to put a wrench in your relationship that could yeah. not have been there. Had mm. you, you know, had the opportunity, you know, to find a partner who was more aligned with your thinking, mm. like, and some people really don't think that that's an important thing to discover ahead of times. And some people do. I had mm-hmm. a very interesting conversation with, a friend a couple years back and yeah just like the two of them um are very much of the like stereotypical traditional roles within their marriage and it works for them mm-hmm. and like sharing some of the things that that meant for for them as an individual was just like it made me so uncomfortable cuz mm-hmm. i'm just i am not yeah. that way at all i i was almost like angry for her mm-hmm. and yet it didn't necessarily matter because she wasn't bothered by it. Sure. You know? So it's just sure. interesting. And I mean, I think part of it too is people just putting, you know, whether you want to call it pride or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, putting their own mm-hmm. personal things aside and thinking that this is the way that the Bible says that the relationship should be. So this is the way that I'm going to live it. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you have fun, Mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, Matt is more of the, um, Susie homemaker in our house than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, like I think in, in 21st century, North America and I'm sure in other parts of the world that are outside of my experience that that idea of partnership in the home is Mm -hmm. more important than Mm -hmm. the man is the head of the household Mm -hmm. right because the world just doesn't work that way anymore that's not how the world operates anymore and what does head of the household even mean yeah like like in my understanding when I grew up in my parents conservative church it was that the man is the one that makes the decisions Right. And that the man is the final say and that the man has to, quote unquote, be the spiritual head of the household, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it trickles down even into like being the breadwinner of the family. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And then you start applying those patriarchal rules to it. Mm -hmm. And that 
quote unquote traditional mindset, but having, having a world in which a, maybe it's not feasible for mom to be at home all day with the kids or maybe maybe dad wants to be at home with all the kids and mom Mm -hmm. is the primary breadwinner, right? Like there's nothing wrong with more money than the dad. And it makes more sense for her to go back to work or maybe she wants to go back to work. Yeah, so in, in a world where that is becoming increasingly more than norm, yes. mm-hmm. it's unrealistic to expect that of everyone of, of an outdated system because mm-hmm. it just doesn't work anymore. It's not the way the world is anymore. And sure, that might be the way it was, but that's certainly not where we're I moving would even, to. Well, but I would even, I would backtrack it to say that it's not, that it's an outdated it's just mm-hmm. that it's not a cookie cutter system anymore. Right. Yeah. Right? It doesn't it's not work that... for everyone. Yeah. Right. Totally. Like it still is very much um, a present day system for some people, and mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's not. It doesn't work for everyone. There are some people who have decided. Hey, actually, as a woman, I do like to work. I don't want to stay home with my kids. Mm-hmm. Husband, do you want to? Or, you know, like there's so many different variations to the story now that people are more willing to kind of step out of this traditional viewpoint of how men and women should coexist in society. Well, I yeah. think that that all of this stems from all the way back from even when people were deciding that they were going to make a commitment to each other, whatever that, that looks like um, in their relationship. Like when you make those decisions right from the get go, you pretty much iron out how this is going to, you know, work out. And, you know, if you can't have that honest conversation, then it's going to become a very challenging road going down the way. And it's important that you kind of, discuss those things and and make it a point that you know hey if we're doing this partnership thing you totally. know we are partnering on everything and <laughs> yeah. everything means everything so yeah. let's yeah. you know let's yeah. not get it twisted let's not try to you know bait and switch later mm-hmm. you know let's iron it all out now and 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 make it work and i and i think that that in general like the same way that um the bible looks at at in general partnership with one it's always like everybody looks at you know even like the commandment with you know um, wives submit to your husbands and that word Mm. submit is used in in such a a way that seems almost divisive yeah that it's like that it's like like if you don't do this you are you're you're a terrible person women that you don't do this you're a bad wife yes and (laughs) and and i think that's submit has um, like negative connotations when it's really supposed to be um, uh, it's really supposed to be a thing that's saying, Hey, respect your husband, you know, kind of thing the, there's, there's a balance there. There's a, there's a, there's a love and respect thing that's going on there. And likewise, and, and people like to forget this part where it says husbands love your wives. What does right. love look like for you kind of thing? It's just, yeah, everyone definitely gets caught up on the verbiage for it, sure. Don't, like it's it, the whole thing is just like, and it's, and the main thing is like with the end of it, like it says like husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave herself 
um, gave his life for her. It's just like, right. it's that level of sacrifice that right. is, is expected on both ends because you guys right. are a unit, right? Yeah. So, um, it's the submit. Everyone yeah. definitely gets, I shouldn't say yeah. everyone because I'm sure there are people who have the grace and whatever that you have to share those words in a different perspective but it's so easy to get caught up in verbiage when there is like you said a negative connotation for sure women submit to your husbands but men you just have to love your wives (laughs) like it just right it's so unfortunate that it was worded that way yeah but i mean like but love is so much more than people thinking that it's just kind of like this wispy kind of word love is it's like if as it's outlined in, you know, well, first Corinthians 13 is like, there's a tall order there. It's not yeah. some sort of like, you know, kind of like, Oh, I love you, you know, yeah, kind of thing. It's yeah. like, there are, there are things that you need to follow through word. with. Yeah. Submit, you know, submit comes with, you know, similar connotations, but it's like, it's not supposed to be domineering. It's supposed to be um, a way for you to be like, this is a call of respect Right. And anybody who truly loves will respect. Right. Yeah. So I guess from that perspective, then essentially men have a harder, <laughs> almost a harder job to yeah. follow that commandment because there's so many more things to unpack. 100%. If you just like take a step back and say, oh, love, what is yeah. love? Here is all mm, the ways in yeah. which love was mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. But women just have to submit. That's all. That's all we have. To, all we have to do is respect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll remember that in my next argument. That's yeah. kind of fun to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that's that's like... good perspective, though. I think, I think we definitely live in a society where we under like we oversimplify the instructions that the Bible is giving, mm-hmm. and instead of actually looking into what is being read or what is being told in the scriptures mm-hmm. and and who it's being told to sure and like culture mm-hmm. and who it's being told by it's being told. <laughs> yeah there's so many there's so many layers that i think it's easy to not mm-hmm. it's easy to forget like it's easy to read the bible without thinking about all of those layers mm-hmm. yep and i think it's easy like and 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 just bringing everything all back to it is just that at the end of the day, um, the Bible is trying to bring it all back to um, how Jesus loves and mm. and how um, his love is. I know the term unconditional is, is used so, um, you know, like it's just kind of like love unconditionally. But knowing what that really means, it's just like there are no conditions to his love. Like there's, there's nothing that will stop him from loving. And so having that mirrored with a relationship and how you relate to one another as, you know, in a, in a relationship, it's very um, important that we truly love as Christ did.
what is what does that look like for you in how in how your church is like active in your community and maybe the way that you love people because i know like i mean i'm definitely not where i was when i was going to my parents church like years (laughs) ago i'm definitely in a different place and so for me that looks like the same spark that lights up or that is shining out of my eyes is also shining out of everyone else's eyes Mm. and that that spark is the divine spark in them Mm. and the same awareness that i am viewing the world with is the same awareness that everyone sees the world with and that Mm. for me is like the uniting thing that compels me to show love to people Mm. right so what what does that look look like for you as a pastor in your church and how how you love the people in your life like maybe in a practical way um so one of the ways that I, I I I look at my my congregation is um and how I love is remembering that um we have several different people from different walks of life. Right. And um mm, yeah. it's very easy to put people in boxes of how you think that they should act or should be. I know that the church has been criticized a lot for how um, they have often um, misrepresented mm-hmm. themselves um, to people who walk in and um, and people have had some 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 experiences have been unfortunate where mm-hmm. they've um, they've been deterred from from coming to church or being mm-hmm. in a church setting because, they're so turned off by how the people have treated them. Mm. And as a pastor, my responsibility before um, I even preach, before I even teach um, what God has put on my heart is to really look at people the same way that I would like, you know, it seems like the golden rule is kind of like, you know, in my heart always is about Mm. treat others the Mm. same way that you want to be treated. In other words, as soon as I walk through the door, do I want people judging me based on what I'm wearing based Mm -hmm. on, you know, how I look, it shouldn't matter whether the person is the queen or king or Mm. a pauper and homeless. Mm. I should look at them the same. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when I look at how Jesus looked at people he didn't care what your position was, where your standing was, how much money you had, um, yeah. who you were yeah. associated with. Mm-hmm. He loved and looked at everybody from a place of complete love for who they were, where they were yeah. at. Yeah. And so yeah. Um, that's... Well, what's on the inside, too. What's on the inside, and... And, and just like, and being able to love people as soon as they walk in, just like, I don't know this person, but I would like to get to know this person. And the yeah. only way to break down the barrier of that person putting up walls is just to show them, you know, hey, we're glad that you walked through the door today. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your name? Great. We're glad that you're here. And then mm-hmm. making it intentional to be like, Hey, this person walked through my door. 
what do I, how can I get to know them? Like as, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. and how can you develop a relationship with that person mm-hmm. so that eventually um, sharing um, the word and sharing the gospel um, becomes based off of a relationship and not just off of a transaction, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have any intimate more, like any, you're not going to have any more of like an intimate kind of conversation with those people if you're not willing to show them that first and upfront, that yeah. unconditional love and appreciation for them being there. Yeah. I, one of the things that I've always said that, um, that really stuck with me. Um, somebody said this to me, I, I can't remember if it was in college or it was from a seminar, but, um, reminding people that churches are not shrines. Mm. Um, they're hospitals mm. and, mm. and, um, there are so many people that are hurting. We don't know what people are walking in with when they walk in the doors yeah. Yeah. and all people are looking for is a support system that, um, sees them for who they are and try to, um, t- to bring some healing into their life, no matter what that looks like. I mean, totally. it could be simple or it could be heavy. Um, yeah. but, um, at the end of the day, um, uh, we're not supposed to be, um, becoming so insular as a church. Um, like I think sometimes, um, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm just doing this from my perspective because sometimes with, um, smaller congregations, sometimes it's very tempting to look just within your, the four corners of your walls and -hmm. the people who have been there, you know, faithfully being there all the time. But, um, sometimes we just need to like throw caution to the wind and just kind of be like, you know, just trying to interact with people who we wouldn't usually interact with, you know, just kind of touch base and see how people are doing. Um, I found out like during this, you know, the pandemic, there are so many people that are dealing with so much stuff that I've, I I, I didn't know that there was that much heaviness until Mm. it caused, uh, until the pandemic caused us to like put a halt to a whole bunch of things and be able to see things as they really are. Yeah. And um, I think it's important that, and it helped me as a pastor to see beyond my, even my own struggles in my own situations and being like, Hey, there's somebody else that probably has it harder. And are you willing mm-hmm. to um, give them a hand, no matter what the cost. So mm-hmm. I think that it's very important that um, me as a pastor um, lead by example and showing um, unconditional love, unjudgmental love um, and, and being um, a church that has, open doors to anybody that yeah. that may they need um mm. need help that's cool what's what's man, i i'm so like thrilled that we've been talking about this for so long <laughs> this is beautiful um what's something that's that like lights a fire in your heart about being a pastor or something that like when, when you think of the word passion or you think of the word desire or you think of the word calling, like what's something that excites you about being a pastor? And maybe as like a two-pronged question, what's something that excites you about the future of the church? 
either um, your own church or the church in general? Sure. Um, what excites me about being a pastor? Oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> um, there's just so many things, um, particularly that I love. Um, I think from, even from my experience, like I, the church that I go to is we have probably about, um, as it stands right now, 50 different countries that are represented. Wow. At our church. With and how many people? Like 150, 150 people? Yeah. And they come That's from crazy. Yeah. Different places um, uh, have, you know, like whether it's been a Caribbean island or um, places in Africa, places in um, the Middle East, um, Philippines. That's amazing. We have cool. um, so many people represented. And I, and what gets me so excited is that when I see, um, when I see my church, I get excited the fact that I get to meet people from different walks of life and getting to learn their story and getting to learn what their culture is, what their background is, and being mm. able to use that um, as a way to show people that that um, God loves and cares for all people, and doesn't mm. matter what you look like, what you what 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 your background is, He loves mm-hmm. everyone all the same. And being able to use that in, in in a church setting as well, because um, like there's been a few times where we've had people um, like say scriptures um, in their language, right? And being able cool. to um, like from every tongue, tribe, and nation kind of thing mm. is just showing that um, that we are all one family and in, in, in one accord for one purpose. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I just, and I, and I love everything about that. Like there's, there's no boundaries to who, um, who walks through our doors and that, that makes me super excited to um, be able to have that. And then the second question um, is what was that again? Could you just repeat this? Like what What's something that really excites you? about the future of the church, either your own church or the church in general, like the broader church? Oh man. Um, It's just that it's, there, one thing's for certain, I said this before, um, uh, (laughs) churches are stepping out of their comfort zone and being something completely different from what mm. they've been accustomed to. Um, I know my church had to do a quick 180 when um, the pandemic happened and we were pretty much set in one way where we were, I don't, I wouldn't say that we were disconnected, but there were some ways that we could have been connected and weren't um, as far as now using the medium of technology to reach people <laughs> and, yeah, um, and, totally. and having that as uh, probably one of the key things that, uh, that mm-hmm. we are using now to be able to, to reach people, to um, pray for people, to connect with people. Like it just makes the world so much smaller in so many ways being able to do that. But like, not just speaking, speaking to people just within um, our community, but like across the world too. Uh-huh. It's just that it's, it's just super exciting to see how, um, we are using like technology to be able to reach more people and, uh-huh. um, and being able to, um, 
to be able to extend far beyond what we could have ever thought we could before. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I know that I became a lot more tech savvy in the last two years (laughs) than I've ever been in my entire life. (laughs) And um, having to learn that quickly, but that's, that's just the medium. Um, The fact that we are able to, to have this um, help us to, um, not that it hasn't been used before, but I just think it's being used tenfold to mm-hmm. be able to reach people. And oh, it's I created think that a level of accessibility for people that we didn't have before, yeah. which is cool. 100%. Yeah. Like I have a friend right now who um, has started pretty much an online church and wow. um, is went from being just, you know, um, a pastor who was in a, in, uh, in a church and in a, in a regular church setting to being completely online. And now she has probably about 100 to 200 people that she reaches on a regular basis. Um, and, and that was just from starting an Instagram and YouTube page and just kind of starting off with doing little clips and stuff like that. And then then moving on to TikTok. Um, And she has, she teaches now Bible study to women across Canada, United States, Africa. Um, Like it's become, it's exploded in the last two years, just being able to reach more people than just her immediate community. And so um, it's really exciting to see how, how we can, as a church, be able to reach more people and do Mm -hmm. what we're called to do on a, on a grander scale. (laughs) That's really cool. I love that. That's awesome. I feel like there's so many other things that we could have touched on today. (laughs) Like, the can of worms has only just been cracked with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. There's so, so true. many things that we could still get to learn and to know about you. <laughs> 100%. I mean, like, and I'm more than willing to share more, um, but that's up to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll definitely well, have to have you on for another yeah, episode at some point. We'll have to have like a part B. All right. Yeah. I'm down for that. Because I think this was this was like a good spot to just sort of step away and chew on some of the things that you've said and just, mm-hmm. yeah, soak it all yeah. in and appreciate it for what it has been today, tonight, for sure. whatever time it is. Um, we <laughs> always, <laughs> you can tell I'm ready for bed. Um, yeah. we, we always tend to end, well, we start very similarly and we end very similarly. And so... Our ending question for you is what is something that we should know about, I guess, just about Aza? Like if there's something that was left unsaid um, without going deeper into the can of worms, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, but just like final thoughts, whether it's about being a woman in ministry, whether it's um, your journey to how you got to Canada, um, well, no, you were in Canada. Never <laughs> mind. We, didn't, we didn't open that can of worms. Yes. We didn't open the can of worms that talks about any prior history. Mm. But I guess how your family got to Canada. But 
um, yeah, like your upbringing, anything like that. Is there, what is something that we desperately need to know about Aza? Or not desperately, just we want to know. Um, Parting wisdom, parting words. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I feel that um, from a very um, young age, and, and maybe that's, this has been like my personal internal mantra, but I'm, I know that, that I, um, from a very young age, I really just loved people mm-hmm. and, and I loved, I love interacting with people mm-hmm. and, and, and being able to, to like, I, 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 th- I, I think that I'm an empath and I like being able mm-hmm. to, to connect with people on a way deeper, um, level that, Um, if they will allow me to, um, I'm willing to go to distance with them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, I, I'm generally open to anybody who wants to know who I am. I, I'm, I'm an open book and, Mm -hmm. um, I, but primarily what I want to do is I want every opportunity that I have that every encounter that I have with each person, I want to make um, that person, that connection, make that person's life better in some way. Mm. Um, Mm. I, I feel that, that I, that there's so many, um, people in this world that, uh, that it's so easy to look inward and just think for the self, but Mm. it's so much better to be able to give, um, Mm. and, and give so much more than, than you can, uh, retain for yourself. Um, I, I, I feel that if we gave more of ourselves to others and learned how to, um, connect with other people and learn how to, um, bear one another's burdens, being able to, to uplift one another, there's not enough uplifting. And I, I feel that we spend too much time tearing people down that's not my ammo. That's not my game. <laughs> I would spend the rest of my life building up people as much as I can because I feel that each person has a valuable contribution to mm. this um, this world, and I feel that um, as as me as a minister, I feel that that they have a greater purpose. That God has a greater purpose for each person. Mm-hmm. And if I could help people define what that is and mm-hmm. help them to be able to know what that is in their heart and, and do it, then mm-hmm. that, that would just make not just my life, but I feel, I would feel completely fulfilled. Mm. Um, I have um, like a visual. <laughs> It's so, it's like borderline inappropriate because it's not. <laughs> Where are we going with this? <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear where this is going. I know. Tell me Such that. A, a sentence starter. But you know, like I just feel like I, like the word sculptor comes to mind. Mm, and then I think mm. of, um, I think, <laughs> I think of the movie Ghost. Oh my God. Uh, with, yes. Pat, <laughs> with Patrick Swayze and, yeah. um, uh, Oh my gosh, uh, Demi Moore, right? Yep. 
Yeah, where he's just, like, sitting behind her, and he's guiding her hands. And I say inappropriate because it's, like, a very sexual scene. (laughs) But I don't think that you have sexual intentions at all. But just, like, that (laughs) image of someone, you know, like, guiding you through the journey, right? And just, and I think it's so completely and truly accurate of who you are. Mm. Um, And, like, the light and the, just, like, the genuine care that you have for people around you like yeah. you are you are Patrick Swayze like I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, as you were saying it that's, I, that's awesome. all I could think of so blame that's it on the great. pregnancy bring it up like on the vertigo who knows what we'll blame yeah. it on but like honestly I think yeah like your your um sincerity in the words that you share and just like who Mm -hmm. you are as a person Mm. are completely and totally um aligned with like your goals in life and what you want for people and what you want for humanity and I just think that Mm. that is not a common thing to come by in people anymore Mm. yeah I think some people have this idea of just like sharing oh in a perfect world I would be doing this or I would be showcasing that or whatever. I would like to do this, but like you, you are someone like when you think of people who, um, what is it like walk the walk and talk the talk, like Mm. you are someone who walks the walk and talks the talk. And I Mm. think that that is something that is special and that you should be proud of that you are capable of doing because it's beautiful. That's really kind of you to say. As now I, you should move I, back I to Calgary. <laughs> no, I, I, Thank you so much I'm for like, being here. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Thanks for being on the podcast. Move back to Calgary. Think, okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Canada, WestJet, if you're listening, we would like mm-hmm. a one-way ticket for A's at a conference. We're, oh we're all sure that Toronto is a better place for having you there, <laughs> but like we miss y'all here too. So. I, I tell you, I mean, I, I say this with, I mean, I love my city. I mean, like there's no place like home, but I tell you that Calgary has definitely made an imprint on my heart mm. that that has never gone away. And mm-hmm. I tell people every day, I mean, like, I kid you not. The other day I was at my workplace and they were asking me, somebody was just like, she was from Calgary. Her husband was from Toronto and she was getting married and she was feeling a little, I don't know what the word is, you know, like kind of like, you know, you have that big brother, little brother syndrome where she felt that Calgary wasn't as good as Calgary. And I was just like, let me, let me give you a heart to heart, my friend. I, I will tell Let me you that impart some wisdom on you. I'm like, don't you ever think that Calgary is not a mm. happening city? Like there are some gems and not just some gems there. Like Calgary is a popping city. Okay. I don't care what <laughs> anybody says. I don't care about how many people that they like. I we will, occasionally have things going for us. I mean, like one thing's for certain. I said like, you know, one thing that Calgary has that probably Toronto does not is that you can take, you know, an hour away and be taken, you Mm. go an hour West and you have like this majestic scenery that you Mm. just go into and not even like less than an hour, less than an hour. True. (laughs) Or, and you go an hour West in Toronto, you're still in Toronto. (laughs) 
tell like, me about what this. Good, what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> like, understand. tell me about it. So I was just so like, good. don't you dare think that that you're less like Calgary is is a happening place. And I I love Calgary dearly. There is nothing that will ever diminish my love for Calgary. Hmm. I'll just tell you right now. Well, and we will gladly take you back anytime. <laughs> Calgary loves Calgary loves Aza Butcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And Aza Butcher loves Calgary twice. <laughs> hey, yo. Well, thank you thanks. so so much thanks, for coming Asa. on. Awesome. We love you. Love you. It's back. so great to get to just chat about all the things, and yeah, we should do it again. I agree. Yeah. Whether it's podcast or not, you know, sounds good to me. Yeah, whether whether we hit record or we don't, <laughs> or, we don't. <laughs> or we practice podcast for three. There hours. we go. Fair yeah. enough. Love it. Cool. Thanks, Aza. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much again, Aza, for for joining us and for hanging out a little bit online and sharing so much of your heart and your story. And uh, we really appreciate it. We also appreciate everyone that's listening, um, everyone listening to this episode and who continues to listen to this podcast. We greatly appreciate you as well. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with somebody you love. Um, Check out our website as well, unexpectedexperts.com links for everything podcast related there thanks so much and we will see you next time on the unexpected experts podcast